Fears podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you are new here. What you are about to hear is a audio version of a astrology forecast that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, so you can also see it on video there. And this podcast is a place where I share both these forecasts as well as interview conversations with people that I find inspiring. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com bringing you a special transmission on the Venus retrograde in Capricorn, which um, Venus is stationing retrograde on December 19th, 2021. We're currently in the pre-shadow period, and I wanted to just deepen into this transit together because Venus retrograde is a a journey of the heart. Venus retrograde is a ceremony. Retrogrades relate to a kind of reflective time period where we refine our awareness of an archetype, right? Or we have circumstances that inspire us to refine our awareness. So when it comes to Venus, these are things related to love and relationship, self-esteem and our relationship with ourselves, self-worth, um, as well as things like money, resources, um, our relationship with pleasure and joy, Right. And so a Venus retrograde can be an immensely pleasurable ceremony. It can be a heart opening ceremony. And it can also be um, a time where our relationships go through shifts, whether we are shifting or the people that we're relating to are shifting or some combination of both. And I mean, of course, we're all always changing. But the Venus retrograde is like a heightened time period of really addressing and working with these themes. And then Venus in Capricorn gives it a really specific energy or specific flavor, too. So I wanted to deepen into that um, with you all. So before I get into that, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, because you may also be listening to this on Magic of the Spheres podcast, if you're watching the video version, please like it. Um, leave a comment at some point and let me know what you think and subscribe to my channel. Hit the notification bell so that you know when new videos come out. Also, for this um, Venus retrograde um, content specifically, I did just write an in-depth guide that has a lot more information than we're going to get into in this video today. Um it's like 14 pages long or something, which is too long for a video. So you can go ahead and download that by signing up for my mailing list, which is linked below. And we're just going to steep into what is Venus in Capricorn and some overview of the transit in this video. And I'll be making some follow-up videos to get into more of the content as detailed in the guide. But if you want to know it all now, um, or you want to read it in written version, then go ahead and download that guide linked below. So before we get into the feeling state, the kind of feeling tone of Venus and Capricorn, I just want to share some dates um, of the scope of this transit. So first, we have the pre-retrograde shadow period that began November 17th, 2021. That was just days before the lunar eclipse in Taurus, which is a Venus-ruled sign. So if you think about kind of what was happening during that full moon eclipse, if that was um, a momentous or eventful time, those are some of the kind of seeds perhaps of your Venus retrograde ceremony. Venus stations retrograde on December 19th, 2021, and will station direct again on January 29th, 
2022. Venus will leave post-retrograde shadow on March 1st, 2022. So that's catching up to the place that Venus originally stationed, retrograde. And then she will leave the sign of Capricorn a few days later on March 5th, 2022. So before we get into the essence of Venus and Capricorn, I want to unpack a little bit what is Venus retrograde. Mercury retrograde is the most commonly talked about retrograde, the most commonly observed and kind of the most commonly stereotyped, right? Like a Mercury retrograde can be a time to uh, think about things differently, right? To have a kind of magical detour in our circumstances in a kind of mercurial, it's like pretty lighthearted way. Um, sometimes it can be minor inconveniences, right? But we also will like rethink things, we review things. Um, and the trickster God is kind of helping us have like a, a shift in consciousness, a freshening up of our perspective. And even for example, like if our map GPS or something stops working, then it and we're out driving somewhere, it requires us to find a different way of orienting to our environment than the map, right? Um, so Venus retrograde is when this planet of love and beauty and aesthetic and harmony, um, we start to reflect and revisit some of the things related to that. And so the place that we may feel Venus retrograde the most is in our heart, right? In our yearning, in our longing um, for something in our existing relationships, like some deeper initiation or the longing to be in relationship, right? The longing to open the heart. This can also be about um, our relationship with ourself, self-worth and money and finances, right? So if you are wanting to shift your money mindset or your relationship with money, that might be a theme. I think like Venus and Capricorn too has that kind of like, you know, like let's get our money situation figured out kind of energy. Uh, let's get it together. But Venus retrograde is a ceremony. I really believe this, right? Venus and Mars retrogrades are always so deep, um, for me, and I see them be that way for other people as well. And, you know, Venus and Mars kind of represent the archetypal feminine and masculine, right? And so the Venus retrograde can also be a revisiting of our relationship with the feminine or with different dimensions of the feminine, different archetypes of the feminine, right? Like the maiden mother crone, like those are three different kind of deeply different energetics of the feminine, right? What's our relationship with the feminine, if that's how we identify or, you know, the parts of ourselves that we identify as feminine, regardless of our overall identification? Um, what's our relationship with the feminine in, you know, the earth or in other people? Like these are things to like really deeply reflect on during this time. But this Venus retrograde, you know, Venus retrogrades are ceremonies by which the events unfolding in our inner and outer lives bring some transformation around Venusian themes. So again, things like our values, our relationships, money, resources, and our relationship with them, joy and pleasure. Themes around the heart heighten. And the nature of this ceremony is going to be deeply personal 
for each individual, whether it's the journey, say, of like falling in love or preparing ourselves to um, open up to love again if we have been closed off to it or it's just been a while. It could be the journey of heartbreak on the other side, right? The ending, right? Or the conscious uncoupling or what have you. It could be the journey of merging finances with someone else and all that comes up with that. The journey of starting to notice some dissatisfaction in love, some cracks in a relationship, the journey of repair, right, of reconciliation, and so on. By reflecting deeply on the state of our heart and our relationships, we will know what the ceremony is for us. Retrogrades in general relate to reflection, review, and revisiting. And now this reflective mood rests in the palace of Venus. One thing that I want to mention, too, is that when we talk about relationships, we might, um, one, assume a particular kind of human relationship, such as romantic relationship, right? Then we might be considering all kinds of human relationships, like friendships, business partners, colleagues, um, neighbors, and so on. Then we might imagine relationships with, um, you know, animals or non-human beings. And by the way, in the ways that I'm listing this, I don't mean to be creating like a hierarchy or something like that. I'm just kind of expanding from anthro, anthropo, anthropocentric or something, however you say that word, to like a more expanded context, right? And then we could have relationships with the water, relationships with the wind, right? And maybe if you... Um, you know, one thing that's coming to mind is like an example is if you take an herb, right, for some particular like, um, you know, yarrow or hawthorn or something like that. And you might have a different experience if you're just ingesting the herb as like a physical compound, Um Right. Or if you've cultivated a relationship with that plant, perhaps if you harvest it yourself or if you grew it or if you talked to it, like, you know, there's different levels of relating. And this is something that um, perhaps requires a kind of openness. Right. Like every time that I go to drink water, I'm not necessarily thinking about my relationship with the water. It's kind of like a mindfulness thing, right? So one way uh, that I could be mindful with that is to say some kind of prayer um, or word of thank you before having a meal or something like that, right? And so where are these moments in our lives that we can deepen into greater intimacy and presence and notice that by being in relationship, it actually shifts the way that we move through the world because there is another way to move through the world that's a little bit more um, everything's an object for me to use kind of thing, or like these are inanimate things strictly for utility, right? As opposed to the world being animated and alive and full of meaning and full of relationship and connection. So diving a little bit into Venus and Capricorn and some themes specifically through this filter, let's just explore the Capricorn archetype first. So Capricorn is a cardinal earth sign ruled by the planet Saturn. Capricorn is represented by the sea goat who can both climb precarious mountains and swim deep in the water. 
Capricorn has a worldly, aspirational, you know, climbing, practical, calculating nature. Capricorn relates to the construction of all structures, including parameters, containers, and boundaries, right? So we could be talking like literal structures, but also like, you know, your plans um, or the kind of codes and ethics and policies that you have or what you are available and not available for. So some boundaries are very physical, like our skin um, or a wall, and other boundaries are more energetic. And these structures influence the way that reality flows. Capricorn relates to the trait or development of the trait of authority, what it means to have responsibility in a situation, hold a position of power, influence the design of one's life, and have boundaries around what we will or will not accept. Authority can simply be a position of power that one has attained or been given, or it can be a deeply energetic phenomenon. You feel authority in someone's bones. You feel it in their grace, their poise, integrity, their embodiment, their skill. It can be some combination of both social and energetic, the way that you feel someone's authority, the way that you feel your own. Right. And authority, it's an interesting thing, too, because um, say like you have an unusual interest, something that's not conventional, like astrology. Right. And astrology is becoming more trendy. But astrologers can make the choice if they are going to, you know, in what ways they're going to integrate in society or do things to be taken seriously, right? And so does your authority come from a degree that you got in college or does it come from you really know your stuff and you're really good at what you do? Or did you combine the both, right? Like one isn't necessarily more correct than the other, though people can jump through hoops, right? And get degrees or get certain titles and have done everything right on paper, but maybe lack some deeper rooted energetic quality. And then someone might be in that deep rooted energetic quality and either they're doing just fine, they don't need the, the paper, the credential, or they wanna go ahead and do that and kind of add another tree ring around their personal authority, if you will. Um, and I use the tree ring image because trees grow a ring like every year or something like that. And I think that the more that we collect knowledge, experience, um, that we're kind of um, adding layers to our energetic field, right? This is a very kind of Capricorn phenomenon. And this can be either, you know, a kind of like very wise, intelligent, like we're kind of gaining um, gravity in like a gravitas or like a kind of skillful way. Um, People can also collect a bunch of energetic junk, you know, from like taking on um, certain ego structures or traumas, you know, or like unaddressed thoughts, um, unaddressed identities or something and kind of like buffer themselves from life. So it's um, it could go in a variety of ways. The quality of it kind of depends on the person's 
decision-making and kind of how attuned they stay throughout the process of acquiring more of their personal gravity. But I think it's interesting to think about authority um, because, you know, for me personally, authority has a pretty neutral um, charge, right? But sometimes to people, authority is such a negative word, right? Um, it's associated with people who are abusive or tyrannical or are in these undeserved positions of power, right? And to me, the reason that authority feels like a neutral term um, is because I see its potentials and its downfalls, right? And I also, if I think about true authority, like not shadow authority, not like a bullshit version of authority, but like an energetically true authority, it actually even has more of like a positive um, charge to me or like, yeah, like a, a positive connotation in the sense that, you know, someone who's in their authority um is navigating reality in like a very skillful way. Maybe they take a lot of accountability for themselves. They have good boundaries. Um, maybe they stand for something and are providing and have this air of generosity about them. And it's like almost like a grace to be in their presence. They're regal, right? So thinking too, reflecting, what do you even think authority is and what are your value judgments around it? And how do you relate to you know, your authority. And we'll be getting more into that a little bit further on in this video. But back to Capricorn, one of the potential negative traits of Capricorn is ex excess rigidity. It's the quality of someone becoming bitter and closed off to life after experiencing hardships and failures, you know, otherwise a quality known as crustiness, right? So Capricorn and Saturn are both forces of materialization and crystallization. So our habits, for better or worse, forge a structure over time. Structures can be changed, but it is an undertaking, right? Posture is a good example where it's like um, our posture can speak to some of our habits and to change our posture often isn't just a matter of mindfulness and like bringing our body into the pose. Sometimes we actually have to train the body into those poses if we have developed um, other habits of, say, like turning inward, forward or something like that. To actually train the body to have a different posture is like a conditioning process. So you know, what's formed, like say, you know, institutions are like the bones of culture and they can change really radically, really quickly under certain circumstances. But often it's like a slow process of the cultural bones kind of shifting shape. So in a modern context where progress and upward momentum is the most desirable, right? And it's considered perhaps objectively or just internalized um, unfortunate or shameful for someone to be going through a dark night of the soul or a personal downswing, right? So when we really prefer progress and momentum forward and judge the kind of cyclical descent, right? It's like the moon grows and it shrinks, it waxes and wanes. Like there's a natural cyclical feature to reality. But in um, a modern context, there's a lot of preference toward like the up and, you know, success upward and growth, growth oriented, all of that. So when we um, 
don't value those kind of descents or the downswings, we're kind of missing the sea goat part of the goat of Capricorn. This is the goat that descends, right? The goat that can fall or jump off the mountain and go deep into the water. This is how we move through the dark, through uncertainty, through personal failure, through cyclical depression or seasonal depression, um, and the like. Influences that... Oh, um, so how we move through the dark, right, is influencing what we're capable of during our upward momentum. Moving through the dark also grounds us in a fertile, feminine, wet kind of truth, that of the soil, that of our deep interiority, that of the mystery. Right? Like, imagine going through life and never reflecting deeply. A person doing that is making decisions that aren't informed by what could happen if you go down into your interiority and kind of like situate yourself in that space. And life naturally takes us down, right? Like when we, um, falling in love is kind of like springtime of the heart and summer, right? And then the fall, the leaves dying and falling off the tree and like the winter, that barrenness, that could be kind of like, um, a heartbreak and end of a relationship or like a cyclical, challenging period in a relationship or like the first um the first big kind of rupture or disappointment in a relationship right and there's some uncertainty and fear and stuff that happens in the depths but there can also be like a renewal and a deepening like a deepening of knowledge a deepening of heart and if we're really avoidant of that lower space and just want to keep going up it creates these kinds of controlling, um, avoidant behaviors to, you know, stay in that up zone. So one example could be like relying too excessively on caffeine to fuel one to live a life that's otherwise exhausting, right? And so instead of being with the depression or the descent process of like, maybe I'm a little bit out of alignment or like, why am I not intrinsically motivated for this pace of my lifestyle, just, you know, have a bunch of caffeine and push through it and keep going. Right. And so the descent process actually helps us. Um, it's like part of nature for the trees, uh, for the leaves to die, you know, and to go back into the soil, um, and that to fertilize like new life in the ecosystem. And when we don't do that at a soul level, there's like a, a whole half of life that we're missing, essentially. So the Venus and Capricorn retrograde ceremony can put us in touch with the upper side of the mountain goat, as well as the lower side of the sea goat descended into the water. Upper and lower here is not a value judgment, but simply a spatial description. If you find value in one or over the other, that's a reflection on preference, right? Not objective value. On the mountainside, we may know our goals and boundaries clear as day, and we're embarking on the path of living our standards through our choices and rational policies, right? What we know to be acceptable, what's unacceptable, and, you know, sticking to the policy, which is not necessarily wrong. 
depending on the situation. We're carefully gaining leverage via one foothold after another and steadily getting up the mountain through devoted engagement on a mission. On the watery descent side, we are feeling our way through, right? Like we're maybe following the light at the end of the tunnel on faith, on a sense that we can just kind of feel it, if not see a little bit of glimmer at light of light. And even if we can't see the light yet, there's a sense of just going through it. Maybe our concept of should in a situation is dissolving right before our eyes. Like, I know what the policy says, but do I even believe that policy anymore? The doubt, (laughs) the doubt of Capricorn, right? Doubt and uncertainty. Maybe something we thought was going to work out didn't, and we're grappling with the disappointment and reorienting ourselves. Wouldn't it be amazing to know how to hold our hearts when we're disappointed, as opposed to Uh, you know, chucking it to the side because it's too painful, right? Like there can be a real um, depth of the gravity of like actually being with ourselves. Maybe we got something we wanted only to realize it didn't grant us the feeling we anticipated it would. Maybe we got everything we wanted and we're trying to figure out what the next truest thing is and we're sitting with the uncertainty of our direction. Even though we should be happy because we got everything we wanted right? Maybe we're just resting or playing and taking into our bodies a deep infusion of inspiration in this moment of repose. With this in mind, here are some possible themes of this retrograde as we more deeply and reflectively explore Venus and Capricorn internally and relationally. One is working on relationships. Venus and Capricorn can bring a more serious mood to our world of relationships. Our last Venus retrograde was in Gemini, for example, which struck me a lot more as whimsical adventures, poetry, like an Alice in Wonderland, like which way should I go kind of energy, like all those different uh, signs moving in different directions, following a thread of excitement and wonder and seeing what happens. I would have said Venus and Gemini was more about exploring relationship and exploring Venusian themes more than, say, working on it. (laughs) But Venus and Capricorn brings our attention more to concrete goals, getting serious about our desires um, and putting work into our relationships. Right. Like this could also be like the work we're willing to put into life to rise above mediocrity. Right. Like. Um, not to just go along with the flow and whatever happens, um, which could be a magical skill or like a magical, you know, flow state to be in. But in terms of like where in our life requires like some engagement to not fall into the pits of mediocrity. Um, but since reflectiveness is ever the theme of retrograde, what it means to work on relationships or how we want to work on relationships can be up for review. So I left it there in the write-up, but something that I was kind of alluding to with that is that working on relationship, I think, brings up that, that question of like, is it worth it? Is it worth this amount of work? Or is this the kind of work that is desired or needed, right? And so... Um, 
these are not things that I could speak to as like objective. This is the path because it's really up to the individual. And so someone who's really overextended themselves in terms of they do all the work in their relationships and they have a lot of space for people in their lives who don't carry their weight and the person's always kind of doing the work for the relationship, that person, their work for relationships might look different than the person, you know, on the other hand, who hasn't been taking a lot of accountability for creating um, things in their lives and like maybe kind of runs away when things get hard. Right. And so depending on your nature, depending on where you're coming from and what your pre-existing tendencies are, what form of work on relationships is going to be the most revolutionary for you? Some people are working on opening because they're rigid and closed off, right? Some people are working on forming more boundaries because they're um, more boundaryless, and that's causing trouble in their life. So I know it's a little bit, you know, okay, work on relationships, but that's not just it. It's not just about working on relationships. It's like rethinking how we work on relationships and the kind of situations that are coming up relationally, reflecting the need for that deeper level of inquiry about what kind of engagements really needed here. Another theme is self-intimacy. Venus retrograde may invite us more to explore interiority or we can take or we can make the choice right to explore interiority in the spirit of participating with the venus retrograde relationships with others and with energies and experiences etc are always offering us reflection if we tune in yet paradoxically relationships are also sites of personal avoidance getting lost in the other to avoid the self getting lost in the role play of the relationship to avoid the truth this energetic doesn't support real relating, but essentially addiction and codependency um, instead, you know, or building a web of illusion with another. To relate more intimately with others, with life, requires letting other people see us or bringing forth that, you know, true innate quality in us. And that requires that we tap into that deeper truth inside of ourselves. Self-intimacy in a Capricorn way has me thinking of sobriety. And I don't necessarily mean sobriety from substances, though many people find that helpful, but some people find plant medicines help them too. So again, that's really a personal thing. But sobriety in terms of being able to meet our own experience or inner world and just to be with what is, even if it's not our preference, even if it's painful, or sometimes it's something that we judge. Can we access a sturdy witness consciousness who can see what's happening in our internal world and meet it? Self-intimacy does not just happen when we're alone. It can also be something that we carry with us. Self-intimacy can be fostered in certain containers or environments as well, right? Like this can be... Um, I think like when I'm, you know, I'm a pretty internal reflective person and something that um, I had a transformation of in my life was like going from feeling like social situations were really difficult for me growing up to 
discovering my kind of Venusian, you know, charisma and charm and whatnot. And a lot of that came from developing a much deeper relationship with myself and feeling really solid in myself and not needing validation from others. And to kind of, um, when I was out in the world, not have that kind of leaky, hungry ghost energy of like, will you validate me? Will you validate me? Will you like me? Right. And just completely kind of like reel that energy back in and just already validate and approve of myself and relate to people from a different place. Once I'm like sitting in that seat of like my self-worth. Right. And so being intimate with myself when I'm alone looks different than when I'm intimate with myself out in public and out in public, it may just be a sense of not popping out of myself and starting to, um, lose that kind of, um, groundedness in myself to kind of like in some attempt to connect with another or to be seen by another. And so even if I'm interacting with someone who I can sense we're not really vibing or they don't get me or I don't feel understood or whatever, that I'm not like losing myself or leaking energy in the situation that I'm just kind of in my realm and can um, navigate the situation from a place of groundedness. So thinking about um, that energetic when it comes to Maybe situations that are particularly more challenging for us are the places that we feel like we lose ourselves, like the places we easily get triggered. Those can be really good places to bring a deep relationship with ourselves and kind of practice being with ourselves and not leaking or kind of splitting off from ourselves in the moment. Trying to see if another example comes through. But I think I'll just leave it there. So the deeper our self-awareness is, the more we gain opportunities to practice authorship. As I spoke of in the theme of working on relationship, when we increasingly discover what's going on in our inner world, we also gain the opportunity to engage this material. So a book suggestion that feels relevant for this retrograde is Rising Strong by Brene Brown. Um, I'm curious about the new release Atlas of the Heart as well, but I haven't read it yet. I see that Rising Strong, however, has deeply impactful teachings about how to navigate failure, which is a Capricorn theme. Capricorn relates to success, failure, achievement, hard knocks in life, cause and effect, consequence, how we face hardship, etc., So there is this kind of success-failure binary, right? And we can have relationships with both, right? And see kind of how either can unbalance us. Success can go to people's heads, right? Or it can be like, now I'm successful, let me just cruise. Or... I'm successful, I can hardly hold this in my body, like I'm overwhelmed. Or I failed and I'm having a shame spiral, or I failed and I'm devastated. Um, I failed and like I know I can find the resources in myself to get back up. Or I succeeded and I can really receive this and also keep going. 
and stay in touch with myself, right? Like there's ways to relate to either end of the spectrum. But the book is about um, resetting from failure. And it doesn't just explore big events in life, but also smaller like micro failures that could still impact our self-esteem, well-being, and still bring up the intense emotions. So I'm going to read a summary of the book. Like it's just a paragraph um, by Keith Edwards. The rising strong process includes three steps, reckoning, rumbling, and revolution. Reckoning involves walking into our story by paying attention to our emotions and getting curious about them rather than numbing or ignoring the discomfort. Rumbling involves owning our story by getting clear about the stories we've made up about the situation, other people, and ourselves and being willing to wholeheartedly check these stories and see if we can come to more accurate versions of what happened. The revolution involves writing a new, more courageous ending to the story by learning from our failures and getting back out there to apply that learning. So I'm taking in this book deeply. I'm super moved by it. And something that Brene Brown mentioned in it, it was, was that if you're not like full on writing in a diary, which you don't have to, like you can actually just take notes that the process of reflecting on our feelings and how we're relating to life gives us the material to see what our stories even are and what we're thinking about. And it's interesting. I have this experience when I write um, that I might think that I'm like aware at a certain level when I'm just living but when I sit and I reflect and I think about it, there's like new parts of the story, new awarenesses that open up in the act of reflection. And so even, you know, noticing when I'm writing, like I have to face like I can see my resentments or I can see my um, pettiness or something right before my eyes because it's coming out and I'm in that moment of self-disclosure and it is confronting because maybe I was at some low level running that resentful energy, but I wasn't really thinking about it or tracking it to the same degree that it's blaringly apparent on the page. And I'm like, is there another way I could navigate the situation or like, can I go all the way through my resentment and out to the other side kind of thing? And so that process of actually like really, I like that Brene Brown calls it reckoning. It's like reckoning with ourselves through reflection. Um, and I just love that idea. And so the next theme that I want to talk about is authority, which I was already kind of beginning to get into earlier. So what does our own authority feel like? We don't get to feel it in the places we unconsciously outsource it to others. We don't get to feel it where we pretend to be powerless. In any given moment, or in a given moment, is our authority upholding a certain standard or policy of ours? despite our complex feelings about the situation? Or is our authority about listening to a deeper, quieter voice inside of us that might break our own rules in this instance because that is what feels true? 
So is our authority about upholding a certain standard or policy of ours, despite our complex feelings about it, like making a hard choice because we know it is aligned? Or is our authority about listening to a deeper, quieter voice inside of us that might break our own rules in this instance, because that is what feels true? And at the beginning of the question, in a given moment, right? So does it fluctuate? Two, when we are making decisions, can we feel the place inside of ourselves and our bodies that it's coming from? When we speak, where is our voice coming from? Where is the seat of our power and authority? In moments of stress, pressure, or conflict, experiment with what it feels like to make a choice from a place of dignity and self-respect. Or practice that. How does your treatment of others fit into this ethos, right? Like, does acting from a place of dignity and self-respect turn into treating others well? Even if you have to make tough calls or are in situations that you don't prefer, does it feel good to act in such a way that you know you did your best? What does dignity feel like? In moments that you falter from doing your best, can you let go of the addiction to shame and self-punishment, genuinely reflect on what you learned, and apply that learning for the next time? Right? Like a, a form of self-intimacy with Venus and Capricorn, what it means to kind of be with our responsibility without being a punisher. Who do you trust to go to for reflection? When the other or the environment is not immediately validating you. How much of it do you take in as a reflection to adjust? Where do you stand in your truth and integrity despite not being validated because you feel and trust your alignment? So this is about where I'm going to leave us today. If you download the, um, the full guide, by clicking the link to sign up for my mailing list. Um, you'll be able to read the text version of what I shared, as well as I'll be getting into the Venus and Capricorn retrograde overview of events. So some of the transits like Venus will be conjunct Pluto at the moment of the station for a good amount of the time in the beginning of the transit. Venus will station direct at a trine to Uranus and Taurus. And when Venus exits post-retrograde shadow, she'll be conjunct Mars and Capricorn. And I go over those transits in detail as well in the guide. So thank you for listening. Let me know what you think, um, how, like what you're reflecting on, what's moving for you from this video um, and in your life too, if you'd like to share. Um, please like the video and subscribe. And... I'm wishing you a really beautiful, nourishing retrograde season, um, a lot of like heart restoration, heart opening, and meaningful deepenings into the Venusian archetype. Mm -hmm.